Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and this week we are in conversation with Joe Stather, the Vice President, Market Leader, Operational Real Estate at uh, Questex. And uh, asking the questions, we have uh, Editorial Director of Hotel Analyst, Andrew Sangster. So uh, off you go, Andrew. Thanks very much, Chris, and w- welcome to the pod, Joe. Thank you very much, Andrew. Delighted to be uh, delighted to be to be on. Super. I mean, within your title, you've got the term operational real estate. Um, and I was just wondering, what, what do you actually mean by operational real estate? Yeah, good, good question to start with. I, I would begin by just saying that I think the operational real estate part of the title is more uh, reflective of where we aspire to be with our uh, kind of media and, and, and events program more than probably where we are now. Um but I think you know the reason that we've we've got a, a kind of medium to long term plan to move more into the operational real estate space is purely because most of the hotel investors that that have been our delegates at the International Hotel Investment Forum, the annual hotel conference, so on and so forth for a number of years, are definitely moving into that space and looking at other property types that that ultimately give them exposure to an operating P and L. Um, And, you know, if we look back at some of the more opportunistic players, it it absolutely makes sense, I think, as we head more into an environment of uh, no longer being able to rely on low cost of capital, but we're really having to get into the nitty gritty of of operations to drive returns and to meet those hurdle rates that the opportunistic investors are are looking for. Um, You know, it's it. It is the Opry real estate classes, if you like, that that deliver those opportunities. Um, I mean, when we talk about operational real estate, for me, it's really where where the the value of the asset is is kind of intrinsically linked to the operating performance of the business. So we're not talking about an office, for example, where yes, there's a rent, and it is to, you know the the payment of that rent is to a degree linked to, to the success of the, the tenant or the occupier. But, you know, with a hotel, we're actually valuing operating hotels as a multiple of the, the profits it generates and, and that being the difference. Um, so for me, that that's kind of the, that that's how I understand the term operational real estate. It's that direct link between the opco and the propco and it's the opco driving the the return within the the propco piece that that that's very much what we were banging on about at our operational real estate event which you attended last week Joe and how did you find it? I thought it was a a great event um, Andrew I I really enjoyed being there I think um, you know sometimes it can feel in the hotel space like and i think you know I've, I've been involved in the space since since i graduated from university so you know over over a decade and and in that period of time there has been a lot of change but i think it can also feel when you're attending a lot of events like that rate of change is quite slow and that the industry isn't really progressing and you do get people in the industry that say oh you know we need to look outside to to other industries Um, and look at how they're evolving and advancing and look at what we can draw on in hotels because you know we're we're quite a a kind of slow moving industry but but actually I I don't think that's the case and I think when when you come to an event like Opry you you actually see the positives of the hotel industry and and actually why it's been favoured as an investment type for so many investors right now and why we're seeing a huge amount of capital flowing in because whilst there's some really exciting things happening in student accommodation and 
senior living and they're, they're all on that journey that hotels has has ultimately been on as a sector but but you do realize just how transparent hotels is as a sector although it doesn't always feel like it and how progressive it is in its thinking in terms of brands and operating agreements and the interaction between opco and propco and actually a lot of those other operational real estate sectors are, are looking at hotels as where they want to transition to going forward so it, it, it actually gives you a bit of a, a feel-good factor coming off the back of operational real estate i mean i i think you know for for a lot of those other sectors that that were there and present and again you know it's it's student accommodation and senior living and pubs and leisure and and you know all of the other mm. wonderful businesses that operational real estate includes i think it's a real opportunity for them to look at hotels and kind of maybe learn from from some of the mistakes that that the hotel sector has made to to ultimately expedite their evolution more into the mainstream yeah and i certainly agree with you that in in terms of as we've been looking at this and you know we've been a bit of a journey ourselves in terms of you know uh, uh, examining the broader sort of investment landscape beyond hotels i mean we we had a, a prior to doing the operational real estate event we had hotel alternatives and we've we did that for five years pre-pandemic um and you know through that what we, increasingly we were seeing are the 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 learnings that were transferring into these other uh, verticals um and often it's not just the learnings but also some um some of the people as well and we've seen some sort of quite well-known figures within the hotel sector diving into the student housing market or diving into the build to rent piece where particularly where they were building communities as part of that that offering um and and into elder living as well with the hospitality piece there i think and 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 obviously we've had the the connectivity with pubs and restaurants directly because you know <laughs> hotels typically feature them as well so um so we've got all of that that linkage there and it's interesting what you say in terms of how much further advanced and i think in in, in many areas i think that's true with hotels i think in particular in terms of the, the the legal structures around the relationship between the opco and the propco i i, I think you know hotels are particularly well advanced with that we know we've got this whole thing of management contracts a lot of history with that we've had a lot of lawyers running around doing that but for then the franchising piece and you know we, we've actually got so we're splitting out the pillars of value so we've got dedicated owners we've got dedicated operators and we've got dedicated brand companies and there's a some indication that other sectors are heading that way as well like um uh, student accommodation in particular is is looking at you know management contracts taking on stuff on behalf of investors and that kind of stuff so i think it's quite Absolutely. an exciting period do you think there's yeah. also some flow the other way as well are there learnings from from hotels can take from these other uh, verticals um yeah i think i think there are i mean to to a degree one of the things that that really stood out to me particularly when the topic moved towards kind of ESG is how I think certainly around the kind of social impact investing, for example, a lot of investors are finding some really neat ways to do that in some of the other subsectors. And I don't think we're quite there yet in in hotels. Um, you know, I think inevitably hotels can play a, a really interesting role in in benefiting 
communities and enhancing social quality of life and all the rest of it but i don't think we're quite there yet and it's probably that the impact isn't as direct as it is for something like you know elderly care or senior living or, or even student housing for that mm -hmm. matter mm -hmm. um so i think that's quite interesting and, and you know a lot of those those other sectors the, the alternatives if you like outside of hotels clearly they're all kind of newer newer investment types and with that you don't have the same legacy issues that we have in hotels particularly around some of the older stock which really seems to hold many of the conversations that we have back around sustainability in particular it's you know it's not necessarily thinking about how we can incorporate you know great new kind of practice in the development of new hotel stock but it's more about the real kind of difficult things that we need to do in in terms of retrofitting you know sustainability measures in some of the older stock which frankly is very costly and often there's no real return on investment and i do think the conversation is a, a bit stuck in hotels around that whereas you kind of look to some of those more alternative fleet of foot asset classes that are as i say are much younger in their their evolution and actually the, the conversation is much more forward looking it's about you know how can we bring in the best tech and pull that into relatively new stock um to, to have a real difference um so for me that that really stood out from the conference yeah no i think you're right there it's the younger assets they have and hold that that gives them uh, you know they're already more compliant in terms of the the green agenda and so so on and so forth in 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 that that aspect but it's also some areas i think i mean one thing that uh, uh, um, we've often picked up on is uh, if you look at pbsa the purpose built student accommodation players so um well there used to be three real estate investment trusts now actually two um with the exit of Gravis Capital, but um, it, the fact that we don't have any dedicated REITs in the hotel space, I think that's quite interesting that that student accommodation got in there first and got away with that, you know, quite forward-thinking uh, financing structure and uh, ownership structure. So it, it, I think there are learnings to come across out of these these other sectors as well, I think. But uh, I, I think there's all, as well as the, the flow going into, um, you know, so how do you, for example, I mean, a classic one, we, we we've had on the podcast before is elder living when they were trying to do the f&b piece and um bringing in some of the learnings from hospitality into f&b and having restaurants within uh elder living communities which are also accessible to uh, non-residents and all of these sort of challenges and stuff you're dealing with them we've we've looked at uh, um well i guess the the, the term is co-living which is somewhat overplayed um but this this idea of having a, a communal space space within rentals and even sometimes in in um sold um properties in in, in actual single family units which are sale uh, which have been sold and there is an element of community building within that as well you increasingly hear uh from the the housing developers so i think and hospitality so integral to to all of that bit and i think that's that makes it really exciting i think for you've come out of a hotels background like us i think uh joe so that that i think this is what makes this so exciting this development of uh, and how we look at it it's very much you've got these investors as you talked about the opportunity funds like blackstone and starwood capital and people like that and that, that you know that they very much look pan vertical they look across all the different sectors and where the opportunities are going to be and i think it's exciting to to be part of this broadening of of horizons really i think it's it's a super fun bit to be in um yeah agreed and i i would i would just say there andrew in in you know my my former um 
role at, at CVRE in the hotels team. Over the years, we, we progressively saw an increasing amount of interest and interaction with a lot of the other teams that sat within CVRE and, and not just necessarily the alternatives, um, although there was there was a uh, you know a, a lot of kind of conversations that took place with with those teams but as you quite rightly say residential retail even office all asking questions about how they could incorporate an element of of hospitality within their offer to to kind of link into that whole experiential piece and you know you look mm-hmm. at the way that that offices have gone now they're you know even what we would have considered the most kind of traditional and and core of of property uses now also incorporating a degree of hospitality in order to to attract tenants and and to help tenants in the war for talent um so absolutely you know hospitality has a has a huge impact right across real estate and probably will continue to do even more so as we move forward yeah yeah and and in looking to how the actual legal agreements um uh, between the uh, tenants and the owners of the real estate have changed as well so you see retail you know where there was that classic 25 year triple net lease that's you know that's almost unheard of now in retail and they've moved very much to you've even got you know some of the people we've we've looked at in the past some of the reits um they're doing sort of six month lets and incredibly short lets i mean that's not typical i mean it's, it's more typical but it's certainly three five year lets are much more common now you've got this shortening of the of of the sort of structures much more linked in with the uh uh you know turnover rents much more linked yeah. in with the performance of the the occupier um and and within um offices you've got this co-working piece which links in with that and again you've got these flexible uh, uh um, agreements increasingly the the norm rather than i mean sure you've got in the super prime you're still seeing the the the, the long leases going in there and there'll be a role for that still going forward i think but you know very much the growth is is in this new area and i think i suspect what's going to happen is is on the peripheries of this is where we're going to see the change and there's been this meltdown in the retail market particularly sort of secondary shopping centers and the high street and so on i mean something we touched on a our event was this um, conversion opportunity that exists within the high street from 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 one use to another so from traditional yeah. retail to it, it might be um build to rent type thing it might be sort of build to rent co-living type thing hospitality either pubs bars even hotels and um, the whole raft of, of of stuff coming in there i think well i was at uh, mipim earlier this year and one of the things that struck me uh walk um i, I was at a, a presentation um on the london stand and they were talking about logistics and you know that they were talking about the last mile logistics piece and a lot of the things they were saying really resonated in terms of they had the same sort of issues that that you hear hotel operators talk about that everybody wants the services they just don't want them sort of next door to them um, in in terms of the location and it's how you adjust to that so last mile logis- logistics everybody wants their amazon delivery turning up on a prompt way but they they just don't want the idea of vans going in and out of the building next door to them and you know similarly with a restaurant we all love going to the restaurant or the pub we just don't want it next door and it's how you adjust your your planning to deal with all that kind of stuff um yeah indeed so. it's, a, it's an interesting one i think you know the the whole high street piece i mean 
you know, I do, I do think there's a there's a, a great opportunity right now for, particularly for for hotel developers, for example, but but other property types as well to to start to access parts of of a city or a town that they've never previously been able to access before because planning just wouldn't have permitted it. Mm-hmm. But now I think you know a lot of a lot of town planning local local authority planning departments are realising that the alternative is that they're sat with a, a lot of empty retail units, and you know we're seeing right across the country now, particularly in some of the more regional towns, councils really intervening, buying up shopping centres, trying to consolidate what, what had been a, a, an over-expanded area of retail into a smaller place and thinking about what to do with that alternative space. And you're right, I mean, we're, we're seeing all sorts. I'm, personally, I'm not sure that, that logistics necessarily is the answer because I think, if anything, what we need to be doing is restoring some, some civic pride. Um, mm. But there, there are uses, and I think hotels is key to this, that, that can be used to do that. They, they drive economic impact. They employ, if they're done right, they can utilize local supply chains. They bring in tourism spend. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of towns and cities in this UK that don't shout about the great historic or cultural offer that they have. And, and if they had kind of good tourism infrastructure, I'm sure they would be able to capitalize more on the tourism spend, um, particularly as yeah. more of us are looking for, for experiences over you know, spending on the more tangible stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm not not convinced about the industrial in in kind of urban centres quite so much. Um, but I do think you know that that Opry does offer some very interesting ways that the high street could be regenerated, whilst whilst as I say, still still trying to kind of enhance that civic pride and and develop the way that that towns look for the better. Yeah, yeah, and this has been going on for. A long while I remember when I was a boy reporter actually um, being sent off to Birmingham to look at how they'd regenerated the centre of Birmingham and that was driven hinged really on a whole bunch of uh, F&B tenants um, to drive footfall back into the the city centre there to you know after the sort of 60s planning disaster that they'd suffered um so it's quite interesting how that that you know, this this is not a new new thing um and it's been but i think it is becoming a, a much more visible um issue i think out there but uh, both chris and i are are geared up to go uh, next week to manchester and uh um, it's quite lucky that the uh, i think the conference says um, you've managed to book in bookend it with rail strikes which is quite good so we can get <laughs> in and out i'm a slightly nervous because i think they've got a strike on the saturday and i'm going up on the sunday but so i've got my fingers crossed on my rail journey for that but um yeah you and i, I both you, i think Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but uh, but it's looking good uh, do you think opera's going to be a much of a feature at the ahc this year um to a degree to a degree i mean you know we, the, the ahc it's it's the annual hotel conference so we've, we've got a name to live up to and i do think that people come to the ahc because they they want to go deep on the hotel industry they want to be educated they want to be informed they want to network with other people that are similarly as passionate about hotels but as we've discussed you know that a lot of those hotel investors are now starting to branch out and look at opry and and it's for that reason that we have what what is called adjacent spaces where um we look closely at emerging and and kind of new hospitality subsectors we also try and incorporate those which are doing things across opry really well that we can draw inspiration from so that might be 
F&B operators and brands, for example. Um, it might be those that are doing co-working really well. And we know that co-working could be a, a really interesting solution for some of the more redundant M&E space in hotels right now. So, yeah, certainly where it can add value to the people that are attending and that it kind of dovetails neatly with what the, the conference is all about. We are looking to draw Opry in, maybe not quite to the same extent that we we did at, at IHIF this year, for example, where we have a whole kind of semi-conference attached to IHIF, which is about the adjacent spaces piece, which is phenomenally popular, by the way. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, future AHCs won't, won't play on that theme even more. In fact, I think just, just through the natural evolution of the conference, it, it most definitely will. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, you know, in terms of the, the types of exhibitors and speakers that might be appropriate, not just for a hotel crowd, but a, an operational real estate crowd, you know, we've got people there, again, kind of that are going deep on, on ESG. Um, we've got people that are there exhibiting to, to talk about electric car charging, for example. We've got Matterport there who offer a great solution in terms of asset tours, which which extends well beyond just hotels and, and in all to all of the real estate types. So um, yeah, most certainly I think there will be a, an operational real estate theme there. And I've absolutely mm. no doubt that it will come up in many of the panels and conversations. For sure, for sure. And in terms of the sort of hotel, big hotel themes, I mean, you've already touched on um, um, ESG and the, the car charging piece, something, again, which we've uh, we've actually featured on the podcast a few months ago. Um, but um, is there anything else? That, I mean, presumably, you know, it's, it's inflation interest rates is going to be the, uh, the biggest topic of conversation. I think it is. You know, it... <laughs> Yeah, there's no doubt about it. We've we've got some great speakers lined up for the the event this year. There's no doubt interest rates and inflation will come up, both in terms of the impact on the consumer, and you know we've got PwC delivering a a, a great session on consumer insights and and leveraging some proprietary um, data and information that that they capture to tell that story. Um, this year, we've also got a view from Wall Street. So we've got a chap called Richard Clark, who's an analyst at Bernstein, who's going to be telling us what the investors in equities are thinking, given that equities are a more liquid asset class than, than real estate. So all of the noise that you're hearing in the markets right now, how is that, whilst we might not have seen a huge number of transactions, how is it impacting the equity market? And what can we take from that in terms of what we might see in the real estate markets over the, the, the months and years ahead? Um, so I think that'll be quite interesting. Um, we've got um, we've got a global CEO speaking this year. So we've we've got um, we've got the global CEO from Radisson, Federico Gonzalez. We've also got Kenneth McPherson, who's the CEO for IHG of Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Asia. So He's they'll a bit be less delivering. Federico bit, these days, isn't he? He, he is anymore. I know, I know, <laughs> Andrew. I was hoping you weren't going to pick up on that. Um, but no, you're you're absolutely right. But still, I think you know to to get that view from the very top of a. A, a large multinational hotel organization will be really valuable right now just to understand what the thinking is at, at the helm so to speak but but you know moving away from the kind of more macro piece we've we've got a couple of sessions which are a kind of regen local authority public sector uh, related so we've got a session on day one which is around how to fill the hotel development viability gap which as you know there has been a, a lot of local authority intervention at a in, a, in the secondary markets in particular uh, given the pressures that we're seeing on build costs right now so it's all about public private sector partnership and some good case studies will be delivered in that session um, along with another one which is more around leveling up and, and the benefits that 
the socioeconomic benefits um, that hotels can deliver in in markets where there is kind of a need for 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 growth and more support for for the local economy um so they should be really interesting as well yeah yeah no that on that last point i think it's something which is uh, i mean particularly in rural areas i think it's constantly we're told about the agricultural sector and about how important that is and yet you know twice as many jobs are in tourism and tourism is just not given the credit it it deserves frankly in terms of it's important for in in these uh, rural areas even during the fishing um, thing we had which has endlessly seemed to go on about during um, the whole brexit shenanigans and uh, you know you point out well fishing is just de minimis relative to you know the scale and size of hospitality and the very very few um towns and villages are actually more dominated by fishing than they are by tourism and actually clearly if you've got declining fishing just you know tourism is the way forward for it but uh, unfortunately uh, we, for whatever reason we just don't seem to ever have that sort of um, ability to get hold of the legislators and uh, the politicians just seem to um, focus far more whether it's farmers and noisier I don't know what it is <laughs> um, yeah. might might be the case but no in, in addition to the the whole kind of um you know leveling up and, and viability part we we've, we've also got as you would imagine a, a focus on esg and this year we've got our first ever sustainability partner for the event which is lamington group um which as i'm sure you know are doing absolutely tremendous things around sustainability with with their hotels um and and their path to net zero and we've got robert godwin who's going to be speaking who's the the ceo of of Lamington Group on at, at the close of day one, um, and then we've got your usual kind of big panel sessions around you know big impacts to drive competitive edge, which again will have some some of the the senior folk from I suppose the the more innovative organisations that are in the industry at the moment either doing big things or that we expect to do big things over the years ahead, um, and finishing off with a with a interview with Steve Morgan uh, CBE who was the former of Red Row. Um, the, the housing company but went on to do a number of other things including I think he was the owner of Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club at some point in time um, and also the major shareholder of De Vere back in the days when they launched Village Hotels and now he owns Carden Park up in the northwest so I'm sure he'll have some interesting stories to share over what has been a, a pretty colourful life um, so yeah lot, lots lots going on at the annual hotel conference this year Andrew good stuff well, we're looking forward to coming along so joe thank you very much for for being with us today um now we're going to do our usual five star no star um so um i think the five stars for the uk government actually trying to do something a bit different um but unfortunately it's going to be no stars for its execution now i think we have on this podcast repeatedly said look calm down um keep calm and carry on um in terms of a lot of the 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 uh, what frankly was um overhyped stuff around um the cost of living crisis and so on and i do feel we've gone into this same sort of territory again right now um it does finally seems to be calming down and we're recording this on tuesday and the the pound dollar um 
uh, whilst it is certainly distinctly weaker is, is the slide has stopped and in fact it's, it's bounced back a bit from where it was on Monday so I think that there's a bit calmer there I'm hoping we're not going to see the emergency rate setting meeting that uh, has been threatened and talked about and I'm hoping we can I mean I think the key difference is this time around everybody refers back to 1992 where we exited the exchange rate mechanism the key difference this time around I think is that uh, we're not in a fixed uh, currency peg um, we have a float and there's no need to have a, a mass panic around it and I hope we can avoid this mass panic so um, five stars I think for actually trying to do something I mean again you know biggest tax cutting budget um we've had for 50 years with the headlines you know in the small print um it takes us back to where we were in terms of tax burden five <laughs> years ago so it's, it's hardly a massive massive shift but uh, um so but hopefully things have calmed down we shall see i'm hoping um when we actually get to see you in the flesh joe that uh, we will be having a wry smile about the how the what the headlines were like this week so it's uh, five stars for trying something and no stars for how it's been received and uh, um, executed and on that so. provocative note on that provocative Chris, note we'll you. say uh, thank you very much to joe for joining us um and uh, we'll wish you all well and say goodbye for now <laughs>